It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Gary Lewis has worked in Harlan County, Kentucky for 24 years. He's a coal miner. The work comes and goes, but the money is pretty solid. Or it was until this summer. Did you notice checks bouncing or did you just not get paid? Well, uh, no, I got a check deposited on a bank on a Friday. And then the following Wednesday, my bank called me at the check bounced. After the bills had done being paid, they took money back out of my checking account and left me $1,800 in red. Oh, you must have been mad. Oh, yeah. It turned out the company Gary worked for, Black Jewel, was filing for bankruptcy. Gary says when he called his superintendent to figure out what was going on, the boss was driving to his own bank. He got to his bank and got money out, which I think it still left him in the red, but he had a little bit of money in his pocket to hold him over. How much money is owed to you at this point? I'm thinking right around 6000 Over the next couple of days, Black Jewel workers like Gary would figure out all the ways they hadn't been paid. The child support that never got sent. The retirement accounts where money just hadn't shown up for weeks. Then the workers found out there was a train full of Black Jewel coal, and it was set to leave town. I mean... If they can sell that coal, they can sell it and pay us. If if they can't afford to pay us, why should they be able to sell this coal and them get more money? This is why dozens of coal workers ended up pitching tents in the middle of those train tracks, daring the mining company to haul their coal out of town. The miners have been here for six weeks now, 24 hours a day. Yeah, there's several little tents set up. They got a little uh, kitchen area set up, uh, uh, with grills that they can do cooking. They got a couple of tents set up just for dining. Hmm. They had one set up over tracks with the cornhole game. So that's what's blocking the train, the cornhole game. Yeah, yeah, cornhole, cornhole boards are set up on tracks. <laughs> I love it. All through the summer, men, women, kids, they've been living here. You can find videos of them on Facebook and Instagram dancing to Old Town Road in the middle of the tracks, feeding their babies, listening to bluegrass. It's like a digital reality show that doesn't have a final episode yet. For around here, you ain't got much choice other than a coal mines. I mean, unless you are a politician or a lawyer, a doctor. I mean, you don't have no other choice around here. Uh, you either work in the coal mines or work at a fast food restaurant. I've been in coal mining for 24 years, and it ain't nothing new for a coal mine to shut down on you. You'd be out of work and not looking for a new job. This is the first time one's ever shut down and took her last paycheck back out the bank on us. Harlan County isn't the only community fighting big coal. Miners all over have seen their livelihoods and communities slipping away before their eyes. Today on the show... 
we're going to talk about why mistrust and broken promises have stalled the path to a future without coal. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Black Jewel, that company that Gary worked for, it's actually the third coal company to file for bankruptcy this year. So if you're a coal company and you have a lot of debts, bankruptcy court uh, is good for you because it's going to help you get rid of your debt. So you're winning. Ken Ward Jr. has been following these cases. He writes about the coal industry and coal communities for ProPublica and the Charleston Gazette Mail. He says, while bankruptcies might be good for the coal industry, they can be terrible for workers. Uh, if you're a coal miner and you're counting on that coal company that's in bankruptcy court, for example, to provide your health care, uh, you're losing because that bankruptcy court is going to wipe out your contract and wipe out the, the requirement that that company pay for your health care. Um, coal communities certainly are not winning when these really good jobs are disappearing. So over the last year, coal miners have been coming to D.C., asking legislators to intervene, especially to shore up the United Mine Workers of America pension plan, which, after all these bankruptcies, is at risk of collapse. First of all, let me say, coal's not back. Nobody saved the coal industry. Just last week, the president of the Mine Workers Union, a guy named Cecil Roberts, gave a speech at the National Press Club. He explained where his workers are at. It was pretty bleak. And now people are saying, it's going to be better. We're going to pass legislation. It'll be just like that. It's not going to happen. We want our pension plans saved. We want our health care plans saved. And if you can't do that, and it's been 10 years, how do you think we're going to believe that you're going to be able to give us a just transition from the coal industry to some other employment. With that, I want to thank the Press Club for this opportunity. Ken Ward was watching. To understand what's happening with the pension fight in the United Mine Workers of America, I can go back to when I met Cecil Roberts, which was 30 years ago. Uh, I was an intern working at the Charleston Gazette, and Cecil and the United Mine Workers were on strike against a company called Pittston Coal. And the big issues in that strike really had to do with Pittston wanting to break out of the UMWA's national contract with the coal industry, which established pension and health care benefits for working miners and retirees. And Pittston wanted to not have to pay into those. Back in 1989 with Pittston Coal, the workers were trying to save their health care benefits and their pay and their pension. But the way they did that sounds a lot like what's happening right now in Harlan County, Kentucky. 
And so the mine workers would show up and a thousand of their members and supporters would lay down in the road to block the coal trucks. And Virginia State Police would have to come and arrest all of them. And they, they sent so many people pouring in to, to, to block the roads and block these coal shipments that they clogged the, the court system in these little communities in Virginia. And the strike led to uh, passage of, of federal legislation that was intended to, uh, to shore up the, the health care funds for the UMWA. It worked to some extent, but co- the coal industry continued to try to find ways to, to avoid paying into these health care plans. And, and when you fast forward to today, that's, that's in, 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 on some level, is still the fight that the UMWA is, is, is having to fight. So tell me a little bit about what the fight is now. Well, uh, the UMWA has a pension fund that covers about 82,000 retired miners. They have another 10,000 or so who are vested in that plan. And that plan is, like a lot of Americans' pensions plans, is is facing financial collapse. And the UMWA has some legislation that it wants passed that would protect these pensions. And these were pensions that, that coal miners who work among the most dangerous jobs and put their lives on the line for the country to provide steel, to provide electricity, uh, were promised. And because of the changing nature of the coal industry and because of coal companies finding ways to get out of the paying into these funds. These pension funds are now on the, on the verge of financial collapse. And the UMWA has legislation that it's, it's been trying for several years and is back walking coal miners wearing camouflage shirts or back walking the halls of Congress, trying to get Congress to pass this legislation to protect uh, protect its pension plan. And uh, so that's the number one issue on the UMWA's plate. Anything else is really kind of a, a distant second in Cecil Roberts' mind. And Cecil Roberts was pretty blunt in the speech. You know, he says, coal's not back. Nobody has saved the coal industry. And when he says that, he's not pointing his finger at Donald Trump, or he is a little bit, but he's also pointing his finger at Democrats. And you really get this sense of profound disappointment with the entire system. So to kind of understand the context of, of how Certainly the United Mine Workers and people in coal country and coal miners see these things. You have to understand, for example, um, in 1968, uh, a coal mine in uh, Farmington, West Virginia, blew up and it killed 78 workers. And the following year, Congress passed federal health and safety legislation. And in that health and safety legislation, Congress declared it is the policy of the United States that we will eliminate black lung disease, that no coal miner should ever get black lung from working underground in a coal mine. And here we are now, all of those years later, and black lung has come back with a vengeance in eastern Kentucky and southern West Virginia. And it's because regulatory agencies... And the coal industry haven't lived up to that promise that was in that law. So I think uh, it's at some point when, when you look at the history of the coal industry, and you know, a thou- hundred thousand coal miners have died on the job in this country. And since that federal law was passed that was supposed to eliminate black lung, something like 76,000 coal miners have died from black lung disease. So if you're a coal miner, at some point you wonder, well. How long do I have to compromise, like, my health for whatever the nation's other goals are? 
And, and that's, I think, where that mistrust comes from in, in the mine workers is that is that that history of being promised things and the promises being unfulfilled. Yeah, at a certain point, I guess you got to wonder, am I compromising or am I being compromised? Exactly. What frustrates Ken is that right now, when we talk about coal and coal country, a lot of people want to talk about Trump, what he's done wrong here. I get phone calls from people in the national media who want to come here and do a story. And what they really want is is what they what they finally kind of kind of sputter out if they're being honest about it is, well, you know, could you take us to a diner and introduce us to a coal miner who voted for Donald Trump, who now doesn't have a job because Donald Trump didn't save the coal industry like he said he would. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating for effect there, but that's kind of almost what some folks in the national media want to do with with the place where I live. But Ken thinks Republicans and Democrats share blame for what's happening now. They have for years. Sure, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is refusing to intervene and fix the coal miners' pension plan. But having Democrats in charge didn't seem to make that much of a difference. President Obama made a, a priority of trying to find lots of different ways to address climate change and reduce the United States' contributions to global climate change. And that was something that EPA and other agencies were working on for a long time in his administration. But not until almost the end of his second term did Barack Obama and his White House propose something to try to help coal communities find other ways to have diverse and successful economies. And and that's pretty late in a two-term presidency to be rolling out, you know, what is essentially a, a not insignificant government program that was going to spend public money to to help a particular area of the country. And, you know, you have to wonder what would the politics of places like southern West Virginia and eastern Kentucky been like if as rolling out the clean power plan and efforts to de- to to improve uh, the performance of our energy sector and reduce its contributions to global warming. What if along with that had been right from the beginning some sort of just transition for coal communities? You know, coal workers and people like Cecil Roberts, they talk a lot about something called a just transition. I'm wondering if you can explain what that means. Well, just transition is just kind of, I mean, it's, it, is, it is more philosophy than a particular set of prescriptive policy proposals. It's, it's the idea that in this case with, with coal communities, it's true. Senator Joe Manchin likes to talk about how coal from southern West Virginia helped fuel the Industrial Revolution, helped electrify the country, and helped to win a couple of world wars and defeat fascism. And he's right when he says those things. And so the people of southern West Virginia, northern West Virginia for that matter, the people that have mined coal and the communities that have mined coal here have contributed a lot to the success of the United States as a nation. Uh, so if a set of policies is needed to address the global climate crisis uh, is going to be implemented, it seems only just since we have contributed so much to the country if in order to save the planet's climate and make the planet livable for the human race, we need to reduce the use of coal you ought to provide some just transition, whether it's job training and money for infrastructure, money for economic development programs, educational funding, things that will help communities that have traditionally relied on the coal industry to lift themselves up. 
it's interesting. You talk about a just transition. And I feel like someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would be like, I got your just transition right here. It's called the Green New Deal. But Cecil Roberts was so suspicious in his speech about anyone on any side saying, we've got your jobs and we're going to fix it. It made me wonder what it would take to really convince this community that someone's got their backs. Well, I, th- I, th- I think that she has actually very wisely said, and I, she had a meeting with, with uh, Cecil Roberts and some, some of his members about these issues, and, and she very wisely said uh, publicly afterward, I believe, that one way to start moving the ball forward on these things would be, let's fix their pension plan. Let's, hey, Congress, let's pass this pension plan. And Cecil Roberts uh, has said, we think that would be a great first step. But securing that pension, it's just a start. I was struck by something Ken said when we first started talking about the real problem with the coal industry. Unlike a lot of other sorts of jobs, uh, the the more efficient you are if you're a coal miner, the faster you uh, work yourself out of a job because the coal is gone. And once it's gone, it's gone. But even when the coal is gone, the workers are still there. That Kentucky mine, where the protesters are camped out on the train tracks, it might open back up again, under new ownership. I asked Gary, that Harlan County miner, about it. You know, there's there's talk of um, there's talk of another company that's going to take over the mine and open up again. I wonder if you want a job in that mine. Uh, yeah, yeah. If they get open back up, I'd most likely I'll be going back to work for. Hmm. Uh, I mean, right now, we've been two months. I mean, uh, it's waiting and waiting and waiting. It ain't paying the bills. We need a, we need a job back. I mean, we may, we might just lose three weeks' pay, but as long as this carries out, we're losing a lot more. Gary Lewis is a coal miner in Harlan County, Kentucky. Ken Ward Jr. is a reporter at ProPublica and the Charleston Gazette Mail. All right, that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and now, drumroll please, Daniel Hewitt and Mara Silvers. Awesome, right? Okay, we'll catch you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 